be their first home game in nearly a month. They haven't played at Lumen since October 30th against the Giants. That doesn't feel right. I know. What's wrong with the scheduling people, okay. huh? Hey, we got to get back in that stadium, and the Seahawks will on Sunday when the Raiders come to town. Before we get to the Raiders, Let's look back at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Feels like it was forever ago, but in Germany, you two were there. The Seattle Seahawks fell to the Bucks 21-16. Was not the greatest day for the defense, but we're going to talk about both sides of the ball here. We're going to talk about what happened in that game and then what's got to improve for this week against the Raiders. So, uh, Dave, why don't you get us started specifically about the defense? Because I think the defense allowing 160 from the Bucks was a huge issue here. Yeah, it was, and I think Pete talked about that um, and his presser. They just weren't prepared. They weren't properly prepared for And look, I think if you go into that game, they had a game, again, I keep saying this, but they had a game where they ran nine times for six yards. And then there was like a 30-yard game and a 35-yard game. I mean, they just had no run game going. So the Seahawks went with nickel. They were outmanned in the box a mm -hmm. number of times. And then they kind of got back to that whole reading block thing. So, and did a football one-on-one on this. Now, it's very simply put. That's why we call it fo football one-on-one. But, you know, there, there are a lot of little details that go into it. But for the most part, I just went through and counted the number of players and the number of gaps. And there was one more gap than there was player. Mm -hmm. So that was just – and then the other thing was they were taken on blocks. So let's say, you know, you're a linebacker. You're waiting for the D-tackle to take on a block and take a side. So you're delayed, right? So then when you finally make your decision, it's late. And then the safety who's coming in to fill in the gap, he's waiting for the linebacker. So there's like two levels of the safety when he finally gets there, which was Ryan Neal. Um, he's eight, ten yards downfield. And so they took advantage of that. And just, you know, that was the thing I thought that really killed him. Look, Brady was going to make his throws, and he did – just some of the most tightly contested receptions that you'll ever see. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think they went into that thinking, okay, Brady's probably going to be the one that's going to beat us, not their run game. So, yeah. you know, just a little bit of – I thought, you know, they had an opportunity there. Um, they weren't good on third down. And, yeah, it was uh, – just couldn't get off the field defensively. Yeah, the Seahawks were just one of nine on third down, 283 total net yards, which isn't horrific, except that Tampa Bay doubled them up in time of possession, net yards. They were 10 of 15 on third down. Bump, I got to say, you and I were talking a little bit earlier. We did after this game on our own show, and then we did just now kind of looking back at this game. I fully believe – no way to prove it – fully believe if Geno Smith and the offense would have gotten the ball back again in the fourth for yeah. one more possession, they would have scored. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, in that second half, the Seahawks kind of figured some things out. They come out in the second half. They throw four consecutive passes. You get some completions. You get down into the red zone, and then you have that fumble. So there are a couple of things, right? You felt like during the second half, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers weren't doing anything to stop the Seahawks. If anything, the Seahawks stopped themselves. Yeah. Um, and you felt like if Geno and these guys had the ball to end the game, that they were going to get it done. So even though it, it started off tough, right, you go into halftime, you're down 14 and 0. Uh, you find a way to get back into this ballgame. I think that is what keeps me optimistic, right? There's no such thing as a good loss, right? I, I hate when I hear that because it's like, no, nah, like you lost. Moral. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, no, you lost. Like, yes, you battled back, but you lost. But you can take positives from, from wins and losses. And the positive from this loss was that they battled back. Um, if you don't fumble, you're in the game. And if you feel like if you have the ball to end the game, you're going to win it. 
Wyman, I left this game feeling not worried about the offense, feeling like I had seen some down moments from them, but overall wasn't questioning whether they could continue to look good for the last seven games. I did leave this game being a little worried about the defense. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you, th- you saw them kind of regress, right? They went back to the time when they were playing the Lions and the Saints where they couldn't stop the run. And I think run defense was, was the key in that in that game. So, yeah, I, I get that. I You kind of go back to going, okay, because it, it was a surprise. And going into the Tampa game, we're kind of on cloud nine thinking, man, this, this team is really a lot better than we thought they were. But um, this is just the NFL. I mean, look – they're playing. They're getting ready to play a team, which we'll get into the Raiders. Um, their three wins are against teams that are seven, twenty-two, and one. So you know th- this is a good example. I know they say get right game a lot, mm-hmm. but this could be one of those. Uh, I think that get them back on track. Depending on, you know, I, I feel like they should. There's they have a lot of good players. Yeah. They have some good players, but uh, their defense. They don't take the ball away. I think they have six takeaways and seven giveaways which seven I mean they're number one on offense as far as the giveaways go they're number 32 as far mm-hmm. as takeaways on the defensive side so this should be something to maybe get them on track back on track but you're right about Tampa I just that was an opportunity especially and I'm totally with you Stacy that if Gino gets that ball back he goes down and scores the game winning drive that's one thing we have not seen from him yet that I think if my memory serves Somebody texted in that there was something about a, a drive that he killed maybe at the end of the uh, Charger game. But you haven't seen Geno take him on a game-winning drive yet. And mm-hmm. they had a chance against Atlanta, and that didn't go well. Um, so I think we, we needed to see that. We will see that. Geno has the capability of doing that. But I don't – you know, it would have been nice if the defense could have got the ball back for yeah. Geno. Let's um, look ahead a little bit to the Raiders here over the next couple minutes. Now, again, you guys, we're going to have player guests today. Quentin Jefferson and Nick Ballore are going to join us. We're going to go in the trenches with Ray to talk about the offensive and defensive lines in this one. Of course, Steve Rabel, voice of the Seahawks, is going to join us. And we've got Raiders color man Lincoln Kennedy joining us at 1.30. So the entire show is going to be a preview. But just with the three of us, we never really get a chance to talk about it. So, Bump, I'll start with you. I don't want to be unfair and say anything is a must win or should win or expect to win because I look at the next two games Raiders, they would be fourth in the AFC West were it not for the Broncos kicking themselves in overtime. And the, uh, the Rams are fourth in the NFC West. However, I can see a path to victory for both of these teams. Let's stick with the Raiders. What do the Seahawks need to make sure they do? I'll say you got to win this game because the season, your schedule only gets tougher towards the end of this deal. So we saw Tampa Bay as a game that they probably should win. Didn't get it done. I saw these next three as games that they could get done. So I look at this Raiders team and I go, you got to get it done, but it's not going to be easy. The Raiders are 16th overall on offense, 23rd running the ball, 8th throwing that thing, and 16th points per game. They put about 22.5 points up there. Defensively is where they struggle. They only have three interceptions. They have 13 sacks, which is last in the NFL. And Max Crosby, Crosby has nine of those things. So you're pretty much saying if you can control Max Crosby, then you could have some success when it comes to keeping a nice, solid pocket for the quarterback. And then they have some guys on defense too, man. They have some players over there as well. Uh, You got Josh Jacobs, obviously the running back, defensively Max Crosby, um, and then a couple linebackers over there who are pretty good as well. You got Perriman with 46 tackles, and then you have, look at this name, Divine Diablo. 
That's I a like football it. name right there. I like it. He's got 74 tackles. So, yeah, they're not great, but you look at them on paper. Offensively, they have enough to hang in there. And defensively, you never know. If they get hot and, and get guys going, um, it could be a game. It's the NFL. It should be a game. Wyman, tell me what you see with the Raiders. I almost said with Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> Still do it. Join the club. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's uh, – they, again, uh, they have players. They have guys that, you know, you look at – you mentioned Josh Jacobs. Uh, Carr, I feel like, has always been – he's a little down. Usually he has, you know, around 68 to 70% completion percentage. He's at 62, but they throw the heck out of the ball. Um, number 10 in attempts. And then they have Devontae Adams, who's just phenomenal. 14 mm-hmm. and a half uh, yard per catch average. Um, he's number four in, in yardage per game. So – and number one in targets. So he's got 112 targets, 64 catches. So that's where – the David Carr completion percentage is down a little bit, but you know he uh, got zero fumbles. Uh, I think he's number seven in first downs. I think, and and, uh, and then you look at uh, Josh Jacobs. I believe he is number one. Yes, fifty-eight first downs. So those three players right there can give you a headache, and uh, that's that's just something that happens every yep. week. But again, you know this is a team that that lost to. Um, or I'm sorry, they beat Denver twice. They beat Houston. So, like I said, 7-22-1. and one. Almost missed the one. I forgot that there was a tie in the NFL this year. But um, it, it, the teams that they've beaten are not good. Yeah, the uh, the Raiders do have – they have few weapons, but those weapons are great is what both of you are saying. Like, yep. they have yep. they have a couple guys where you have to keep your eyes on them. Josh Jacobs closing in on 1,000 yards. Devontae Adam, Adams closing in on 1,000 yards, second in the league in touchdowns with 10. Um, and we know that Derek Carr, when he's protected, when he has time, can also be pretty deadly. So uh, it'll be a really interesting battle, and we're going to get plenty of insight, not just from the two of you, but we have some other experts joining the show. Ray Roberts, Steve Rabel joining us in hour two. We're going to get started, though, with back-to-back Seahawks player interviews. We're going to start on defense. Quentin Jefferson joins us next on The Huddle. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacy Ross. Normally on a Thursday, special Wednesday edition, given that Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Tomorrow, we're all going to be watching those games as we prepare for week 12 for the Seattle Seahawks. They are welcoming the Vegas Raiders to Lumen Field, their first home game in nearly a month. And also a chance to get right after a pretty ugly loss to the Buccaneers. What do you want to see in this one, Bump? I want to see the defense that we saw four weeks prior to that Germany game. And that defense was a defense that were shooting gaps, that were playing downhill, that were closing the distance between the O-line and the D-line. They were just a bit more aggressive. Every now and then you uh, you come in with a plan, like Mike Tyson used to say. Then you get punched in the mouth and you start to panic. Oh, dang, all right, what did I get myself into? That might have been a little bit what we saw, right? It's that the Hawks thought the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to attack them one way, so they planned for that, and then they're attacked differently. So I just want to see the defense um, that was just sound, just mm-hmm. a sound defense. Now, you can get beat by an offense being a sound defense. But if you are sound, you have gap integrity, you're, you're, you're contained and forcing things inside, you give yourself a chance to win a ball game. And with the Raiders coming off a big win in overtime against the Denver Broncos where Devontae goes over 100, Josh Jacobs goes over 100, you want to come in and, um, and take some life from them early just by being where you're supposed to be. Wyman, the Raiders are a team that uh, has really, really struggled, but they've also been in games. I mean, they were shut out. Credit to Mora for pointing this out earlier. They were shut out by the Saints 
uh, earlier this year, but otherwise they've mostly just lost by one score or gone into overtime, an overtime loss against the Cardinals, for instance, in, in week two. They still pose a threat. What does Seattle need to make sure they do? Well, I thought what, what Bump just said makes a lot of sense. We used to have a, a saying, it was Eugene Robinson that used to say, we're going to kill a gnat with a sledgehammer which means, like, we're going to overdo it. This is a team that we should beat. We're going to put them away. And I, I think that's – you're right about it. I mean, 30-29 to 29 loss to Kansas City. Um, they've had some blowouts, but 25-20 loss to uh, Indianapolis, 24-19, 29-23 against Arizona in overtime. So, yeah, it's, they have the personnel to, to hang around. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing. You don't want to – you just kind of want to take care of it early. Hopefully they get off to uh, a fast start and – I just think uh, that it comes from the run game. It's interesting to watch their uh, their offense. They um, they use a lot of. Uh, I feel like I'm watching the Raiders in 1990. How be- so? Because they they have they use a fullback and they have a lot of this like offset eye, which we used to call king and queen, based on if it was on the side of the tight end or the the weak side, and just you know like uh, regular 21 personnel, you know, with two backs and mm-hmm. one tight end and two receivers and. You know, they, they have some interesting, you know, they're using the the, uh, the fullback almost like a guard. And he's pulling. And, yeah, it just looks very familiar. It's it's very simple. And they're kind of an offense that's like, you know that we're going to throw it to Devontae Adams. And you know that we're going to try to run the ball with Josh Jacobs. And here we are. And we're going to beat you at the point of attack. So they just, if they go back to what the way they played the run against Tampa Bay, the way they played it against the Lions and New Orleans, they could get blown out, Yeah, the Seahawks. I mean, they, they have to take care of that early on. They need to, uh, you know, be aggressive, attacking the line of scrimmage. You know, the way I put it is, you know, everybody knows where their gap is before the play starts, and hopefully that will be the case. They'll get back to that kind of defense. Look, they've done it. They've done it before. They did it against the Chargers. You know, they had a, they had a number of games where they were able to get that done. So, mm-hmm. And I think with the help of this big fellow right here, it's going to get done. <laughs> That's right. Quentin Jefferson joining us right now on the huddle. Quentin, how are you? Are you excited for a ton of food tomorrow, which I'm assuming <laughs> you're going to eat? Oh, no, I definitely am. Definitely am. We have some family in town, too, so good. that's always good. Um, so, yeah, I'm ready to, uh, you know, get a little break, get the mind right, spend some time with the family, then, you know, right back at it. Fantastic. You know, we got a big game this week. What's your, your role on Thanksgiving? My role is to wake up, uh, <laughs> grab whatever the wifey needs, you yeah. know what I'm saying, uh, make sure the kids aren't too loud, <laughs> and then uh, watch some football. What's your role um, on I'm Thanksgiving? I'm a taste tester. I get to taste all the food. <laughs> I get to chill, kick my feet up for one time. So, yeah, I really don't do anything. I just stay out the way and let them go. get the cooking. Yep. <laughs> man, I wish I had that model in my house, man. <laughs> I'm in there, like, sweating. I do the mashed potatoes, the gravy, <laughs> yeah. the turkey. Yeah. And you, you're just Luckily, still... I, I can't cook worth a lick, so I let them, yeah, let them handle that. I just look. I need some water. I'm chilling. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get you a towel? What what that's called is you played your way out of a job. You know? Uh, That's what I used to do on kickoff return. Dave, you need to start messing up those potatoes. (laughs) I I hate kickoff return. Whoops, I missed my block. I got fired. You need to make the worst potatoes of your entire life this Thanksgiving. You sit this one out. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite uh, part of Thanksgiving food-wise? Um, like I got the sides, you know, mashed potatoes, uh, macaroni and cheese, uh, stuffing, greens. Uh, so yeah, I like the sides. Then I guess dessert as well. So you got like, you know, apple yeah. pie or some type of, um, uh, what's the other type of pie? Um, pumpkin? Pecan. Yeah, probably, probably uh, sweet, sweet potato. potato. Sweet potato. Oh, sweet potato. And uh, so yeah, I yeah, 
but I just enjoy eating. I get to chill, get to eat. I ain't got to worry about nothing. I got a meal prepared and really relax. I tell Stacy it's, it's sweet potato pie. Yeah. <laughs> sweet potato. Sorry, my, my bad. Sweet I said potato. sweet potato. <laughs> sweet potato pie. Bump, do, do you feel validated that Quentin also didn't say turkey? No one says turkey. Oh, yeah. I hate turkey. It's the driest bird that We're exists not having on any the turkey. No turkey will be prepared at my house. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no turkey. No, not even any ham. Like, we doing seafood. Fried chicken, and yeah, All right. I hate it. So you're <laughs> going to be with family for Thanksgiving. Are you also excited to get back at home to Lumen Field for this game? Oh, no it's doubt. It's been a long time. It's definitely been a minute. But, yeah. uh, I mean, what, are, out of these next seven, I think five are at home. Yep, yeah. So, I mean, that that's a blessing. You know, especially down this stretch, it's going to be tough. So to be playing in front of our own crowd, get to yeah. stay home, have that atmosphere, it's going to be exciting. How's the bye week for you? Do you go home, you stay here? I went to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, even better. Yeah. Even better. Um, uh, yeah, me and my wife went to Hawaii just to get some sun, you know, sun, chill. And it was really relaxing, really needed, especially just, again, get some more time together with the wife. That's yeah. always always great, especially in the season. You know, it's, it gets it gets busy. And yeah. their job is hard. Yeah. And, you know, you might see your, your mate in passing, you know, when I wake up. And then coming home, going to bed, you know, because just getting filmed, getting worked on, everything, it's, it's a lot. So yeah. just taking that time, really giving them. Yeah. Your hundred percent attention. Sure. And you, you have kids, right? Yeah. How many kids you got? <laughs> got four. You got Still four. four. Still four. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> stick, stick in there. Yeah, stick yeah. in there. <laughs> hey, uh, what do you what do you see out of um, you know every team has you know ballers, right? Yeah. You, you look at like Josh Jacobs and you know we were talking about Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. What about uh, their offensive line? And I was saying their run game kind of reminds me of like nineteen nineties football. Yeah, it's definitely the old school Smash Mouth football. You know they're. Uh, Colton and them guys are mauling boys off the ball. You know, they really work well together, especially in their com- combination blocks. You know, they, uh, you know, do a lot of gas game stuff. And it's really just comes down to, uh, you know, it's an old school gritty game. Like, who wants it more? Who's going to be more physical? And um, just really being disciplined, you know, staying in your gaps, everybody being where they're supposed to be. Because it's really one of Josh, just one of those guys, like, one guy get out of his gap, he's going to find it. And he's home run. And he's running, like, he's running the ball with some bad intentions. And, um Yeah. Actually, I'm happy for him, you know, because I was there with those guys last year. So I'm happy to see him back doing his thing. But hopefully he don't do his thing this week. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like bye week is a lot of self-evaluation too, right? Like what can I do better as a player? What can the defense do better? What's something that you you felt like this defense did really good at and then something you think needs to be uh, stepped up in the second half Um, of the season? Just battling through adversity, you know, and finding an identity was the biggest thing. You know, it was a a rough first couple games, rough start, but we found our footing. And just not being satisfied. I mean, we got on a roll, you know, but we got humbled right before the break. What you need? I'd rather have a right. game like that early because we're going to see that team again. You know, that's a playoff team we're going to see again down the road. And it's really just, again, hey, don't get caught up in the hype. And we, every game, again, again, just being responsible. You know, you look back at that game, I watched the – especially we got killed in the run. And just, again, guys being responsible mm-hmm. – being where they're supposed to be. And that's what kind of plagued us at the beginning of the year. So it's like, not, let's not fall asleep and get back to old habits. You know, and it came out here yesterday and today, today's practice, you see guys really being attention to detail. And like I said, I'm just excited for how we finish the season because that's really going to be a true testament of like our identity, who we are. What do you think of uh, playing in Germany? I, I thought it was, I mean, <laughs> obviously what you lose, it, yeah. you know, that, that kind of puts a damper on things. But like afterwards, the Germans were all hanging around yeah. singing and, did um, you have any good experiences while you're on? Yeah, win, lose, or draw, that was a dope experience. You know, like, how many times can people say, like, I got to play a game in, in Munich? You know, especially we're the first team to play out there. And, uh, you know, I was just, yeah, grateful for that opportunity. You know, sometimes 
you get caught up in the season, you really don't just sit back and appreciate, you know, where you are. And I'm like, and it was kind of surreal, you know. Mm-hmm. And that crowd was rocking. I don't even know if they knew what was going on or really <laughs> cared who was scoring, but it was, they – they had a lot of energy. It was super dope. Yeah, super, super no, dope. there are rumors that the NFL is also exploring games in Spain or France. Oh, yeah. Is there one of those you'd want to go to? Either one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real. I feel like it's a win-win. Well, I, yeah, we. my second year in Denver, we played in Barcelona, mm-hmm. but it was a preseason game. So I guess that doesn't count because mm-hmm. they're saying there's not been a regular season. But, I mean, is the is the flight, like, that big of a deal or – it was a long flight. <laughs> it's, okay. it's okay to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, That's no joke. It's a big thing because it is, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of travel and a lot of stress on guys' body. You know, I know yeah. here we they do a great job making sure, like we said, we're having getting ample rest and everything. But it, it, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, but it's still a, it's a dope opportunity, you know, and I, I still wouldn't uh, turn that down for nothing. Now, I was thinking about you guys because we flew over, and I just talk. And I was tired, man. I'm like, <laughs> I know these dudes out here are, are exhausted. So I, people t- ask me all the time, is it really that serious? I go, you sit on a plane for 10 hours yeah. and to see what it does to your body. Uh, so speaking of the body, uh, you're one of the, the elder statesmen on yeah. this team. How's the, the body feeling and going into um, the second half? I feel amazing. You know, uh, I yeah, knock on <laughs> you know, I, I feel good. <laughs> I, I take pride in, you know, taking care of my body, making sure it's, it's ready to go because, you know, it's a, it's a grind throughout the season. It's like a car wreck every week, and right. you're trying to put your body back together. But, uh, man, I've been blessed to find some great people to just help keep my body ready to go and found a good regimen. So, I mean, I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. I'm yeah, blessed. That's nice. awesome. I remember during the bye week, like, there was always, like, a missing toenail or two. <laughs> or, uh, that what? You like, uh, that you like, yeah, people step on your feet. Yeah. And, like, it's not like, it, it, oh, that hurts. Nass like, is just nodding. Guys, yes, toenail's Max. gone. You just know yeah. that, like, it's going to bother you all year, you know. Did you, were you able to take care of some of those little Um, Yeah, definitely, like yeah. Any little knickknacks, just take time to take care of those. And just really the biggest thing is just, just taking some time to just rest, like having a few days you just don't do anything, just letting that body heal itself, you know, because it's, it's a long, long season. You got to think, mini camp, OTAs, camp, preseason. Then you got, what, 17 games. And then you got – you go the distance, you got playoffs, and then it's long. <laughs> well, it's long. knock on wood as well, you guys are going to have a long season. Oh, no doubt. And, and push into the playoffs. We're, no all, we're all rooting for you guys, and it's been such a fun season. No doubt. And uh, we know that it'll help to get back at home for this one. So good luck this Sunday. And have a wonderful Thanksgiving with oh, the family. It. Y'all have a wonderful Thanksgiving as well. And, yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate it. He is Quentin Jefferson for the Seattle Seahawks, kind enough to join us for the huddle. Coming up next, we got fullback Nick Ballore. Don't go anywhere. All right, you are listening to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. A special Wednesday edition, given that Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Joining us now, the host of Between Two Ballores. Nick Ballore. And Nick, now that you are separate from your teammates, it's just you and the three of us. Is there anything you want to get off your chest about guys on this team? Oh, uh, where do I begin? I know. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, – I get labeled the curmudgeon on the team. I got to – I mean, the, the list just goes on and on. I, I, it's not even – I mean, I'm obviously old, uh, but, you know, it's just um, – I think I'd like to think I'm up on stuff that the young guys are, but it just, it's like <laughs> the old generation yeah. of guys is now gone and I'm kind of caught in between two worlds. And so I, it's a struggle every day. The worst me. part is when there, there's finally like slang and phrases that you're like, I was just catching on and now it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, and they can tell, right? they can it. smell it on you. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, I hate feeling old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, let me uh, let me one. I always show love undrafted dudes. I love it. I was an undrafted guy. And two, 80s babies were still in the league. It's nice to see an 80s baby in that league. So we'll never have a chance. Those two things, I got to show love. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, also, he, man. He only man, had a couple months. It's kind of cheap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, he snuck in there. Whatever. He's in I there. I did the same thing. He's in yeah. there. 89. That's, That's all that matters. May 31st. Yeah. Um, a special teams, man, I don't think people realize, like, the mentality of a, a dude on special teams, right? Because your players are so isolated. And when you do make a big play, it's a huge play, man. And you've been able to play fullback, linebacker, captain on special teams. Um, what's just that unit like? It's like the kickoff unit. Because you, you got to be some dogs to go down there. And back in our day, you were playing when we used to be able to link up and, and build the walls and stuff. Can't do that anymore. Uh, but just the mentality of a guy on kickoff coverage is going down there trying to make a tackle. Yeah, I would say, first and foremost, most of us are pretty mentally unstable, at least when we're on the field. So it's it takes a kind of a different person, I think, to do it. Uh, maybe we're just not smart enough to know that it's like a little wild play out there. But <laughs> I try to remind guys, but again, I feel old doing it. It's like it used to be a whole lot worse yeah. than it is yeah. now uh, for better and for worse. I mean, like if you're on the, the right side of it, it's cool. But if not, when you run into, you know, Five O linemen with their arms interlocked. It's not as much fun, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a cool phase of the game because you know a lot of guys didn't do it in college, so it's kind of fun to see the young guys kind of come along. But it, it really is just football all in one play. I mean, you have to run, you know, block, tackle, do everything, um, and I think it's fun, especially here because we emphasize it. And I think um, you know from Coach Izzo who did it. You know, I I never quite got to play against him, but we're we almost overlapped there, and it's like a guy that's done it. I think he played 14 or 15 years, and you know he's one of the best to ever do it. Oh. And then the continuity we have as a unit, we've got kind of the same guy, you know, Cody Barton and Travis Homer and DJ Dallas and these guys that have been here uh, the whole time. I think it's really cool because that's rare in the NFL. Yep. What's your least? I was just telling Quentin Jefferson that I played my way out of a job at kickoff return because I hated it. I was on the front line, and you have to run, run back, and you don't know if it's a young guy, he's probably going to try to run you over right. you know, or put a move. What's your least favorite special team? I mean, yeah, kickoff return, I'd say generally for guys, is like their least favorite just because you know you don't have much momentum going forward, and you can't you know trap block guys like you used to. So yeah. it's kind of like you're kind of just sitting there waiting for the guys. But, um, you know, it's fun, obviously, you know, having, you know, we had D. Eskridge and, and uh, DJ Dallas back there returning. And if you have a guy back there that you know really, like, brings it, I think that makes it a lot more enjoyable of a play. And those yeah. guys do it. And you know if you block it upright, they're going to hit it. And that's all you can really ask of a returner. Um, What's your favorite? I'm sorry to be negative there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I mean – Kickoff and punt are always are always great. Kickoff is nice because there's really you don't have to block anybody. You just start running. Um, but as I get older and the guys get faster, I kind of like I can use a little bit more tricks and craftiness on punt and kickoff. I'm kind of like just doing everything I can to keep up with the pack. And I will say we have some very very fast guys. Yeah. Um, I mean I've always been slow, but like these guys just keep getting faster and faster. And you see the they track the miles per hour guys run and I'm, it's. It's crazy to see. But, Where have you, you peaked, know. miles uh, per hour? Oh, I, I peaked. Yeah, uh, like 
I'm 13. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, it, it, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it was uh, everyone, all 14, of three two. of no. these guys. But we have guys that run like 23 miles an hour. I'm like, yeah, this it's is insane. Not, yeah, it's absolutely. So insane. you just hope those are the guys that go down and get smoked by the guy in front of you. And then you just kind of <laughs> clean up whatever. So I yeah. always try to get a young guy. And that's go. the issue, too, is because they they assume that I'm setting them up for failure so I can succeed, which I obviously am doing but I, they don't need to know that so like hey you just want to run here at this guy and then you know you'll be you'll be fine just don't worry about it and they they go down get hit or miss and then you know the clean, old it guys clean it up love it love yeah. it so you say you got a two-year-old um got thanksgiving coming up what's what's it like for you out here you going back to wisconsin uh what do you well obviously you can't you got to hang around what's, yeah wisconsin's coming to uh, <laughs> and, then, and then coming back yeah, here come yeah, right yeah. Back. <laughs> wisconsin's coming to me so uh my dad and sister coming out and then, uh, yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving should be fun. I mean, with a two year old, like we had his birthday is like, he doesn't know what's going on right. and you get him gifts and he ends up playing with like the Amazon box. That came in. <laughs> but I think he could appreciate Thanksgiving a little bit more because he likes to eat. So, uh, I mean, he won't know what's going on, but, um, you know, I think he'll enjoy the food, and then we can sit and watch football. Are you the picture guy? My wife, she goes, you don't take enough pictures. Like, I do not take pictures for anything. So if there's anything I can say, just take unnecessary pictures of anything. Your yeah, I need to do it. that. I think, yeah, we, we don't take enough as, like, a family, but we take more than enough of him, and then our, our parents are kind of scattered across the Midwest, so it's, like, four different gr- group chats of the same pictures <laughs> of Luke, and they're like, I, 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 they never say anything, but I'd imagine they're like, all right, all right between the belors what has been who's been your favorite guest on that oh between segment? two belors i'm sorry yeah, between two belors the uh um i i thought it was really good with uh penny hart um i enjoyed doing that with him and then you know i'm kind of brainstorming um you know who to do next and we have like a bunch of rookies that i think will be really good um and then i'm just trying to think over the uh you know the one with Diggs is is great i yeah. think and um he's he's grouchy yeah That's yeah what I love. yeah <laughs> so it works good with me and the funniest thing is is no one understands no one is old enough to understand like what the concept is from so that makes it a little bit it also makes us feel old <laughs> yeah yeah so i like try to explain it and they're like no nah, i don't know what that is so i'm like okay but uh yeah no it, it's fun to do it's always kind of uh you know, believe it or not, I just completely wing it. So, you know, sometimes that you can tell and sometimes you can't, but it's like sometimes it, it works better if you just organically do it versus yeah. trying to write jokes or something. Well, you're, you're great at, at it. You're, you're good at making yeah. it awkward. Thank you. That's Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's a, it works if I, you know, if it's terrible, it's just more awkward. So yeah. No, but it's, what, it's perfect. It's like, it's not like a Nathan for you type, but it is like, it's, it's a, it's a hard type of. I wish it of, was well, because not enough people know that is the funniest show. It is show a great ever. show, but it's a hard type of humor to do successfully. So everyone I know loves it. The three of us love watching them and we've loved talking to you today. We have to let you go. You have a very busy week ahead of you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving Thank and you. you have been such a phenomenal piece for this team. Very self-deprecating, but we have a text line full of people saying, I don't believe Nick. Nick makes too many plays to talk about how slow he is. So uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Thanks. for having me, guys. All right, you guys. We're going to hear from Geno Smith next. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Huddle, and you're about to listen to Geno Smith. He's speaking with reporters. Let's take you there live. How we doing? How we doing? Yeah, it was good. Um, just to kind of take some time off and get the body right. Um, you know, see my family, hang out with my son. So it was good. Um, but excited to be back, you know, ready to work. How did the uh, turkey giveaway go? 
It was good, man. Um, we were downtown Seattle. Uh, I hadn't been there before, but uh, just to be in that community and kind of see, you know, what the people were about. And uh, a lot of people came out, got to uh, mingle with a bunch of fans. And it was really cool, man. The 12s are strong down out here, as, as we all know. And um, they showed up and they just showed so much love and, uh, you know, really appreciated giving back as well. You know, you've done stuff like this through your foundation in the past. Why is this important to you to yeah, um, you know, it starts with my mom and my grandmothers. Um, they all, you know, they've been giving back in our community back home in Miami for years. And, uh, you know, that's something they always implemented in me, you know, is to always give back, you know, regardless of your position or status, but to, to try and help, you know, try and help people out and, and be a, a, a giving hand um, to people in need or not in need, you know, just being, being a good person and, and helping out the community. Gina, what has it been like for you this year getting to interact with fans a little bit? having taken the starting job, running with it, being a little bit more visible to them to get to know you mm -hmm. and some of the interactions you've had with fans. What stood out to you? What's been memorable? What's it been like? Yeah, well, from the time I've gotten here, the fans have been great to me. Uh, it was one of the things that, um, you know, just really, you know, captured my attention. Uh, the first time I saw Blue Fridays and just seeing everybody in their Seahawks uniforms just around town, uh, making it feel like a college town. You know, it's the first time I had experienced that type of, uh, you know, fan experience. And, um, you know, really just now in, in a new role, um, I think there's more, obviously, just more interaction with the fans. I'm out there a little bit more being seen. But they've always been great to me. Um, you know, I remember going to Starbucks uh, before all the games. I still do. And, uh, you know, one of the guys who was at the turkey drive was, was one of the guys who would uh, serve me at Starbucks. And um, he was always, you know, since the day I got here, he was always, you know, just always, you know, in my corner and saying positive things before the games. And, uh, you know, that that's something that, you know, I hold dear to my heart, just the way that these fans interact with this team and how the community really uplifts us uh, is, is a great thing. You mentioned uh, getting a break and all that. Is it any? I guess how is your how is your body and everything right now? Not obviously you haven't played a whole lot the yeah. last five or six years, and now you're playing every single snap and all that. I feel great. I feel great. You know, I've been in the weight room, uh, working, working, and just staying on top of everything. And uh, I feel great. I'm getting stronger as the season goes on, and that's something that uh, is very positive. And so I want to continue to work hard and continue to push myself. You know, who knows where it can go uh, in that regard. And so um, my body feels great. Um, I'm blessed to have a great offensive line who's been protecting me and, and keeping me upright. How important is the mental break for during the bye week? Uh, there's not much of a mental break, you know, actually that's the time where I, you know, got more time to watch film and, uh, you know, really just study. Uh, I tried not to think about football, but that's, you know, it's impo darn near impossible. So um, just did a lot of studying, uh, a lot of self-scouting -scout and, uh, you know, just trying to get, get an edge. You know, it's not a week off. It's just, you know, a week from not playing. And so really studying and, and continuing to sharpen my mind and my game. With self-scouting, I was going to say question without getting deep into the woods. Self scouting, what was it? What came out for you? Yeah, I think uh, obviously, you know, through 10 weeks, we've done some really good things on offense. Um, we've had a ton of explosive plays. Uh, we've been moving the ball really well. Uh, but I, I think there's another level we can get to. I know there's another level we can get to. And I really want the guys to continue to stay focused and lock in and continue to push ourselves because I believe, you know, we've done a lot of great things and we can get into the stats and the details and all that. But really what it comes down to is our execution and our focus. And so I want to really drive that home as us continuing to, you know, really grind and really grind the mental part of it and really grind the physical part of it and, and be ready for this seven-game stretch. Looking at the back, just reviewing the Tampa Bay game, was there anything they did that kind of stopped your running game, or what did you feel like, I guess, was the issue?
Yeah, I mean, they got Vita Vea, they got Akeem Hicks, two two monstrous dudes up front, um, really good linebackers. Um, they're, again, I said before, they were a championship team about two years ago. And so they got the same players, and they're a great team, got a great quarterback, well coached. And uh, I just think we, we started a little too late and ran out of time. And so I think that's a, an experience that we can learn from and gain from when you're playing in those championship atmospheres. Uh, you got to be on it, you know, from the, from the first whistle. And so... You know, for me, uh, in this offense, uh, we know that, and so we're looking forward to, you know, improving on on those things going down the stretch. Pete Carroll talked last week about you running. How do you find the balance between, obviously, you've been really productive running the ball, but making sure you're taking care of yourself and the ball, but also getting those plays? Well, you know, trying not to take hits, um, you know, getting down, sliding, and then protecting the football. Um, You know, I want to be aggressive in my running. I always want that to be an added, added element to my game. But I realized that I can't put myself or the team in harm's way. And so I got to make sure that uh, I'm protecting myself and the football. Did you see the, I don't know, what it was like a water tower or something in uh, Germany with your likeness on it? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. I think that was a Photoshop little thing, though. I don't think that was actually like up there. But it was cool to see, like the, just the, even with the Photoshop. I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was amazing to see. And I'm, I'm you know, grateful for our time in Germany. And uh, that was pretty cool to see. Dan, when you look at Las Vegas, when you look at their their defense, what do you see now? Yeah, I see a really talented defense. Um, Starts up front, Max Crosby, one of the better defensive ends in the game. Uh, They got Chandler Jones, another, you know, monster defensive end. Been playing him, I feel like, my whole life. And, uh, you know, they're really stout up front. Denzel Perryman, uh, middle linebacker, a guy who I've played with, and I know he's a tremendous player, loves to run and hit, uh, tons of passion for the game. Uh, they got some young guys on the back end, but they're playing extremely well. They're well coached. Um, they're going to present multiple looks. And so we just got to be on it. You know, we got to be on top of every single part of our game and uh, make sure that, you know, we're communicating and executing to the best of our ability. Anything else? Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, that was Geno Smith. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts next. This is the Huddle. Ray Roberts joining us to go in the trenches. We're going to take a look at what happened against the Bucks, and then also look ahead to the Raiders. So, Ray, I'm going to start with Tampa Bay. What happened against the run, my friend? Yeah, you know, I, I, I really think if you're talking about the, our defense versus their run, or are you talking about our run versus their defense? Uh, our defense versus their run game. Okay. Well, I think first, um, I think, you know, our personnel decisions kind of, you know, uh, Brian Monet wasn't yeah. in the game, so we went with more of a pass rush personnel. And then I think the thing that was interesting was listening to Cody Barton in the post postgame uh, saying that they were surprised by uh, a couple different runs that they hadn't seen. So you know, basically they had like a lot of pin and pull runs where the front side of the offensive line is blocking down and the backside is pulling around and then leading the running back uh, up into the, up into the uh, crease there. And then the running backs are doing a very good job of being patient and letting those blocks work themselves out and then gaining yards. So I think that the, 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 the uh, Tampa Bay came in committed to running the football. And, and, and I said this earlier, I don't know that it was, not that the Seahawks didn't come ready to play, but there's just a different sense of urgency with the uh, Buccaneers offense, offense and offensive line that they really wanted to get the running game going. And one of the, one of the things you don't want to see uh, as a, as a defensive line is when the opposing team's offensive line is looking to the sideline and begging for more running plays. And that was happening really, really early in the game. And so uh, that was an indicator that it was going to be a long day. 
I'm glad you brought that up. Sorry, Bump. Uh, that was very obvious that that fired them up. And just tell us, and I know we, we have asked you this a number of times, but, um, you know, for for an offensive line, for whatever reason, I guess, it, it just, you know, tell us what that reason is. Why does that get offensive linemen so fired up? I guess because you're attacking, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and like I always say, Dave, like all of us, uh, you know, everybody has played all different positions growing up, right? But right. when you first start playing football, you played because you liked the physical nature of the game. Like you like like driving guys into the ground, getting big hits. And then as you get older, you know, even if you're playing on the offensive line, like the idea, you know, this you know, pancake is the best way to put it. But you know, just I just like driving a dude in the dirt. You can call it whatever food you want to call it. But uh, <laughs> but that that is part of the draw to the game. And so then when you when you're in the game and that is happening and you can tell like sometimes you can tell right away that the defense the defensive linemen as as hard as they're playing they are just not up for that challenge today. And it doesn't mean that they're not playing hard. It doesn't mean that they that they uh, uh, don't want to stop the run. But you just know that you that you have them. I've, I've played against dudes that are like Hall of Fame guys, and uh, you know, especially when I was in Detroit. And we get the running game going, and they're tapping the top of their helmet to come out the game because they just want to rush the quarterback. And so, uh, when you make it noisy like that, and you you know, like I always say, that if it's a snot bubbles game, and you're hitting a dude so hard that it's not on your face mask. You don't know if it's his or yours, but you're just hitting someone that hard. That's, that's, that's kind of what was going on in the trenches for Tampa Bay. See, I have asked Ray to describe that probably 10 times since we've been doing radio, and every time it's something different. This time we got the <laughs> snot and the pancake, and it's fantastic. And that's why you and I love coaching together. It's not on the pancakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Hey, Ray, speaking of run game, um, obviously you got Kim Walker back there. You got DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. Melvin Gordon was released by the Denver Broncos. Would you have any interest in bringing him in and seeing what he can do? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't at least, like, uh, you know, think about it. Because if you think about going into the season, you were going to have Rashad Penny and, and uh, Kenneth Walker, and you probably still would have had, uh, you know, some combination of Travis Homer and, and DJ Dallas because of their special teams work. But I do think that the Seahawks, uh, and this is like turbo kind of sold me on this is that you have to kind of start to think about the number of carries that you're given uh, Kenneth Walker, because you don't want to wear him down and given, you know, he's carrying a, a tough load and, and uh, you know, we've seen a lot of running backs in the past that have, or, you know, in this league that's gotten a lot of carries early on and then they kind of fade after a couple of years. But I do think that you know, maybe having another, uh, kind of uh, explosive type running back might help. But uh, I think the thing that's the most important, Mike, is that uh, the this offensive line and, and the offensive running game has to get back to doing what they do. Uh, I hope that they spent time, you know, doing this bye week to really self-scout, not to change things up and make things new, but to make what they do better. And uh, because when they get downhill and uh, they're not running sideline to sideline and, and they're not running out of, the uh, the gun maybe they're running from, you know running the ball from under the center or from that pistol formation where the running back can really get downhill and get a shoulder square that's when they're the most effective and then some of those runs I thought that we saw against Tampa Bay are kind of supplementary runs that you want to bounce it to the outside you want to do the fly sweep you want to you know you know do the toss and all that kind of stuff uh, that's not what they major in 
they, they major in just getting downhill shoulder square uh, and, and cre- creating creases for, uh, for Walker to find and, and gain yards that way. Um, now, I know that it is kind of a cardinal sin to look beyond the game that's going to be this weekend. That being said, there's some interesting matchups still on the schedule. So since they're coming out of the bye week, it's hard not to look at the remaining seven games. Ray, when you consider the 49ers, the Jets, the Chiefs, um, you have uh, the Rams in there. Is there one matchup you're really curious to see the Seahawks team in? Well, th- this new uh, 49ers matchup, I mean, Kansas City is going to be Kansas City. You know, Patrick Mahomes is going to, and Kelsey, they're going to be trying to do their thing, and you're going to get some crazy-looking passes and, and off-schedule plays and all that. But the uh, the 49ers the other night, man, they have some weapons on offense, and it's going to be interesting to see how that matches up uh, with our defense to try to contain some of those guys. I don't know if that's an offense you can shut down but you're going to have to really contain them with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuels and the uh, Ayuk and all those other guys that they have uh, uh, Kittle that can make plays. Uh, I think that's the one that's, that's really interesting to me. Big Ray, uh, Gino has had an MVP type season and I don't know if you heard about it, but the voting for MVP is going to change now. So instead of one mm-hmm. writer voting for one guy, he can pick, is one through five, which means Gino quite possibly uh, might get a MVP vote before Russell Wilson. Just your thoughts, big homie. You know what? I, I, I mean, it's unfortunate for Russell because Russell has had years where he should have been in the MVP voting. I don't, right. I don't understand what the bias has been towards him. Uh, and it's just to add to that, it's just unfortunate that the, the, the voting uh, process has changed in a way that Gino is could possibly get a, a MVP vote that that Russell has never gotten, and then so uh, I would rather look at that as like man, like great for Gino than to uh, than to to beat Russell up over it. Russell's in a, in a tough situation, and uh, I think one of the, the the craziest things is Russell is not even on pace to throw 14 touchdown passes, and there's this TikTok dude that's that uh <laughs> follows how many touchdowns he has compared to bathrooms in his house so when you get to that place uh it's just bigger things to, to deal with than what he's getting in mvp race how in the world does somebody know how many bathrooms he has in his house well because the listing came out so people were like <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no, no it was very confusing because ray's with me here right it was like four yep. bedrooms and then like 12 or 13 bathrooms it made no sense mm. Yeah, it's like there must have been a bathroom for every other room in the house. But uh but yeah, so they they've been tracking that. It's kind of funny to watch it, but uh uh but yeah, so I I'm happy for Gino, man. Gino like uh what do you want to say he resurrected his career or he just got a you know, he matured or he just kind of finally found his his spot and you know, after all this time and you know, really found a, a system and a coach and a and an organization that works for him. Uh just super happy for him, man. Like you you don't see him like you know, self-promoting and all this other kind of stuff. He's been pretty humble without having to say that he's humble. Uh, he's, he's been a very uh, 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 take the blame kind of uh, leader. And I think that goes over well in the locker room. You know, we can see how even with the jets that has become an issue when, when you can't, when you can't average more than three inches per play in second in the second half. And the quarterback says that he didn't let the defense down. You have a problem. And so uh, I, I don't know that uh, that that would be something Gino would would uh, would uh, adhere to. 
All right. Always good hearing from you, Ray. We will talk to you uh, next Thursday as we prepare for another game. Seahawks back in this thing after the bye. That was in the trenches with Ray Roberts. Have a good one. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you guys. Have a good one. Eat a lot of food. And then uh, <laughs> if you if you don't think you had enough, like, hey, let me have one more bowl for Ray. There you go. We will. We will. We will. All right. Thanks, All right. Ray. Um, Dave, to answer your question earlier, you were wondering if there were NFL games on Christmas. There's a triple header. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be Packers, Dolphins, Broncos, Rams, Bucks, Cards. Yeah. So yeah, the NFL said, oh, NBA, yeah. you're we'll going to be on Christmas. Uh, college basketball. How about we just take everything? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and we're going uh, worldwide. Yes. Well. Yes. All right. Uh, we are going to talk to the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, next. This is the huddle. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Ross joining us now. The voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, how's it going? Going great, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Happy Thanksgiving, Raves. And um, the Hawks got a challenge coming in. I was talking to Stacy earlier this week, and <clears throat> Devontae Adams is having the sneakiest productive season, I think, of any receiver in the league. And he's not getting the attention he deserves simply because the Raiders aren't winning ball games. But over 900 yards, 10 touchdowns, statistically he's the third or fourth best receiver in the league when you look at Devonte, what do you see why is he so great oh my well where do you start i mean you're you know you played the position uh as did i sort of um this guy you know he he plays bigger than he is he looks i always thought he was like six four or something he's only six one i mean officially mm. and about 215 but he can really run he's got great Physical skills, Pete was mentioning this yesterday, but all you have to do as a, as a fan or as a, a, a coach who's scouting him is just watch how he runs his routes. He's really precise. He has great body control. Um, as, as time has gone on from back in the dark ages when I played, players who are bigger and faster are getting better and better at running pass routes. It used to not be that way. You used to just utilize your speed or your size. But to be able to stay up over your feet, to be able to make moves, to lose defensive backs, to you know have a little shake and bake in a pass route, this guy's got it all. And he can run away from you, he can run over you, and he's got just terrific hands. So I don't know quite what the answer is. You know, you're not gonna, we're not gonna flip. I don't think uh, Tariq Woolen is gonna flip and go with Devontae Adams everywhere he goes. And I, I truly believe I trust Michael Jackson as well on the other side. But the best way you defend against Devontae Adams is to keep him on the sideline. And that is going to be the process by which our offense has to find itself again after the game almost two weeks ago uh, in, in Germany. And that is you can't start out that slowly. You can't go one for nine on third downs. You can't waste an entire first half. you got to come out there and sustain and keep the other guy's offense off the field. Hey, Rabes, going back to uh, the Germany game uh, against Tampa, what was – I thought the most disappointing part, I guess, for me was that they kind of went backwards three or four weeks or four or five weeks back run defensively. Um, that was, uh, I thought, maybe the, the one thing that cost them that game. And um, But, you know, look, it's uh, – they got a chance to improve here. But was that – Going back to that game, was that what disappointed you? What stood out to you that uh, why they lost that game? Well, you know, we talked about it prior to the game, Dave, and, and when they um, set as inactive um, Monet, who is, <coughs> excuse me, um, 
a really good run stuffer and a big guy right in the middle and would, you know, help spell Al Woods in that situation because they just figured the the Buccaneers were not going to run the football. They hadn't been successful at it. And so you you activate guys, you you bring you keep active on your roster for the game, guys who are more pass rusher types, who are a little bit quicker afoot. And so that's what the Seahawks did. I think everybody miscalculated a little bit uh, yeah. on uh, on uh, what Tampa Bay was going to do. And they came in bound and determined to run the football. And I guarantee you the Seahawks are going to see that now for the next seven games. Teams are going to come in and see, okay, yeah, they played pretty well for a stretch against uh, against the run. But, you know, now we kind of have some ideas on what to do against them. I think the defense got tired at times because they were, again, on the field so long until we finally got things going in the second half. But, yeah, the inability to stop the run, and it all it does is make the greatest quarterback of all times even, even more effective when now you can play fake and throw those passes on timing that he did, seemingly finding guys in the seams and, and what have you uh, uh, the rest of the game. It, it just was a, not a very good defensive performance and, and, as you said, a step backwards. Raves, uh, looking at the offensive side of things during that game, that game against Tampa Bay, I found myself not too worried about the offense, even though, I mean, they were one for nine and third down. It wasn't a great or good performance by any means, but I didn't leave the game feeling worried about them. Did you? No, no. And especially the way they finished the game, Stace. I mean, they, yeah. you know, they were throw the football. Uh, Gino came out and I mean, just boom, 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 right down the field. Uh, and you, you, I, we almost had to sit back and say, wow, is this the same offense we just saw that was kind of stumbling around in the first half? Uh, we didn't run the ball effectively at all. Uh, and, and Tampa Bay, you know, let's, let's face it, they're good. We talked about it. That's the strength of their defense, I think, was their ability up front uh, to, uh, to stop the run. Uh, I'm going to, by the way, you guys walk with me here because I know even though I'm the voice of the Seahawks and a beloved figure in this community, I have a washing machine that's on the blink. And so I have a repairman just knock at my door, and he is here now. Ari, come on in. I'm doing a phone. Yes, please. Come on in. Good. This is what's called live radio, friends. <laughs> actually getting to hear how us normal folks uh, operate on a daily basis. I, you can't fix your own washing machine? What's the matter with you? I tried. I tried. I pulled it out from the wall and looked at the back of it and said, oh, my God. And okay. then I called in an expert. <laughs> you do what you I do, Ray. Right as a look at it and say, nah, I can't do that. Well, call <laughs> somebody. I, I, did, I, I really didn't even have to look at it to know I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I had one of those embarrassing moments where there was one of my kids' shoes that was caught against the fin in between the fin and the drum of the dryer. Was that the whole problem? Uh, Whole, whole problem. I call a guy, he comes out, he looks inside, pulls the shoe out, and looks at me with like the most shameful look ever. Wow. Yeah. And then asked me for $109. Of course. For, for call, so. Well, you know, but you're a big radio star, so you can, you can afford oh, to yeah. do that. No, I'm, I was an idiot. I'm like, oh, you at least investigate, right? So you investigated. I did. I did. And, I, yeah. uh, and we had a, an expert come and take a look at it and tell us exactly what it was, and now he's back with all the right parts. Uh, he is terrific, and uh, I am going to now help him pull the washing machine out away from the wall. 
This is why people tune into the world famous huddle right here. I mean, <laughs> That's what I've always assumed. You can't you get know. this anywhere. And Rabel, like in typical form, he's doing his play-by-play right now. Yes. Yeah. He's, 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 <laughs> his, whole, his whole life is play-by-play. Somewhere someone is That's listening right. saying, next time one of my appliances is ruined, I'm going to look and see if one of my kids' shoes is in there. Like some, so, You just saved someone a couple hundred bucks, Dave. And shame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and by the way, uh, wait till I get to the soup making part. When I go play by play on making soup, get out of the way. I mean, it's it's worth the price of admission. <laughs> All right. He is the voice of the Seahawks, and uh, he has to help out a, a repairman who's coming to fix things. So we're going to let you go, Rabes. But we appreciate you joining us for a preview of this game. And as always, you guys can hear Rabes and Wyman on the call this Sunday. Thanks, Rabes. All right, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy yeah, Thanksgiving. Um, I'm so excited for Thanksgiving, by the way, you guys. And can I just go on record by saying stuffing is the best part of Thanksgiving? I would just like that out there. It's a very controversial opinion. A lot of people, including some in this room, don't agree. Bump, you have to be the mediator on your final word on stuffing before I had to break here. Stuffing is bomb, but it ain't that macaroni and cheese, though. Okay, fine, fine, fine. I will accept (laughs) that as a secondary answer. Gravy. Just gravy. I make a mean gravy. gravy. <laughs> my my uh, <laughs> wife's uh, late grandma, I remember she came over. First of all, Shannon's mom was like, oh, here's how you make it. And then granny came in and she's like, give me that. I'll show you how to do this. And just <laughs> laid it down. And so like I took notes and now... I make some good gravy. Is right. it her recipe, like her tricks? And oh, everything? yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, all right. So we have uh, we have two more things to do here on The Huddle, you guys, as part of our preview of this Sunday's game. Number one, we're going to talk to someone on the other side of things, learn a bit more about the Raiders. Who are the Raiders? And then we're going to bring on a Seahawks reporter and figure out where this team is health-wise, who might be out heading into Sunday, and then wrap up with some of our final thoughts. So do not go anywhere. The huddle continues next to take on the Raiders finally hosting a game after nearly a month here at Lumen Field we're going to speak with Raiders color man Lincoln Kennedy former Husky in just a minute um, before he joins us you guys let's talk about home field advantage not only are the Seahawks returning here bump uh, finally since, for the first time since October 30th but five of the last seven at home it's been a while yeah since I saw these Seahawks wow. at you know I didn't Field. expect it today hey. but See, yeah. you keep on your toes. When was yeah. the last game? October 30th, Giants. Against the Giants? Yeah, yeah. that was the last home game. Like three months ago. I know, right? Doesn't it feel like it was a million years ago? But now they have, I mean, five of seven. Yeah, have you guys been kind of going through and looking at, you know, like you do at the beginning of the year, okay, oh, that's probably a loss. Oh, that's a win. Uh, that's a loss. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going through and looking at Vegas. I mean, look, this is a team that they should beat. Uh, Vegas. They, like I said earlier, the their opponents that they have beaten are seven and twenty-two. They have not beaten good teams. Two against Denver, once against Houston. So yeah, it's it looks like that one mm-hmm. you should get. The Rams are falling apart. Carolina's coming to town. San Francisco and Kansas City are the two. That's stretch because the Jets are the third game there. Yeah. Well, I'm also curious they've about. They've got some drama going on with their quarterback oh, there God, and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. But, but that's a home game, you know. And if you happen to take, I mean, to me, I don't know about you guys, if you could take two, uh, one of the San Francisco or Kansas City, mm-hmm. which one do you think is more likely? Uh, I think San Francisco San by Fran. virtue of just knowing your opponent well. Yeah. yeah. But, ah, man. They're so good. They're really good. Do you I, think they're the best team in the NFC, guys? I do. I, I'm looking at, you know, and it's not just like we're going, you know, Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, um, you know, Josh Jacobs. It's not just that. I mean, they have those guys. 
plus they have Trent Williams, who's the big guard, uh, Aaron, uh, the kid out of Notre Dame, really good. Their D-line is good across the board. I mean, they have more than one guy like Max Crosby that can sack the quarterback. So they're just solid at every position. Well, let's find out more about the Raiders. Raiders color man Lincoln Kennedy joining us right now for an opponent preview. Lincoln, we're happy to have you. Um, I'm going to start with uh, with what's been working for the Raiders. I got I to gotta be honest with you, man. I did not realize Devontae Adams had 10 touchdowns this year. <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty impressive. First of all, thank you guys for having me. Uh, and, and what surprised me about last week's sort of walk-off touchdown was the fact that he was wide open. Yeah. And I said on my broadcast, was like, if there's anybody who's going to be covered, it's going to be number 17. I'm going to be but he was able to get free with a nice little bend route and, uh, and then came open to win that football game. But, yeah, you know, I, I, to answer your question, what's been working for the Raiders, it's, you know, on paper, obviously the, going into the season, they were expecting to be a lot better than where they are right now. On paper, they had everything taken care of, We at least we thought. And then the underperformance and the inconsistencies on both sides of the ball sort of did them in, and that's why they have so many losses, six losses by, well, one possession. Um, so that's the bulk of their season. But, you know, for what it's worth, I, I think that this team is going to be, there's going to be some major changes for this team in the offseason. I think this roster is going to be redone. Um, but they just have to find a way to get through this season. Lincoln, are you under the impression that, well, the rumor that's going around is that the Raiders are cash poor. If they were not, then the head coach, Josh McDaniel, might be out the door. Uh, what are your thoughts on just what he's done with this team this year and if those rumors are true? Well, here's the thing. You know, when people are talking about the possibility of a coaching change, you have to take into consideration that things that have been happening to the Raiders over the least the past you know, five, ten years are, are starting to work against them. Look, when John Gruden came in, he got a 10-year contract. He totally fixed the roster. Got rid of you know, guys like who re- reworked it with draft choices. Um, but no one could ever imagine that your first-round draft choice was getting a drunk driving accident, kill somebody, be in jail. No one could ever imagine that your coach would be fired from comments that he made 10 years prior over an email. No one could have imagined that all the things that befuddled the Raiders under John Gruden and the roster changes and everything else would come back to haunt them. So you, you go out and you find a new coach. And Josh McDaniels got the job because he had a plan for Derek Carr. He's a quarterback that's not going to run, but wants to stand tall in the pocket to have a system. You make a trade for a primary receiver, which after they lost, you know, rugs, um, you needed one, and you got Devontae Adams. He wanted to be a Raider, and you got him. You gave up, you know, your draft, uh, your uh, first two draft choices. You paid Devontae. You paid an extension with Derek Carr. So if you keep paying these people, if you fire Josh McDaniels, you have to pay him and the staff, and they're still paying Gruden. So it's not. It just doesn't make fiscal sense to go through another coaching change. You, the, the the way I see it, guys, is that this roster currently does not have the players it needs to implement the coaching systems that they want both on Josh McDaniels' offensive side as well as Patrick Graham on the defense side. They're, they're just trying to hold things together to the end of the season. This, Like I said a moment ago, this roster is going to be totally folded over and worked over again. It's going to be a whole new roster. And they've got something like they had to go out and get something like 36 uh, free agents because when, they, when McDaniels came on the staff, they only had like 30-some players under contract. Hey, Lincoln, uh, tell us about – you mentioned Derek Carr, just about his leadership, his connection to, to Josh McDaniels and – you know, just uh, how he operates as a leader of that offense. Well, here's the thing. Derek is incredibly intelligent, so he has a good football IQ. 
Uh, he knows how to, he knows what Josh is looking for, but he's also very r- programmed. And what I mean by that is that if you tell him to throw it to Devontae Adams, he's going to do his best to throw it to Devontae Adams. Not necessarily go through a progression all the time. And I think that's much of a, a disdain of a person like me who watches enough football, like, dude, just make the right read. Don't try to force the ball. He's done that a couple times this season and got away with it. Sometimes he got caught up. But um, he's one of those guys that if you tell him what to do, he'll do it. And he'll do it at a good level. I personally think Derek Carr is a capable quarterback and, um, and who can make every throw and has you know a good quarterback IQ. But I, the, the, the minuses are that he's inconsistent. And the fact that he doesn't use his legs is much as detriment because as protections break down, and you know they, they do all the time, you know, he'll stand strong and won't, won't get out of the pocket, won't do anything. And there's been times where he's had success, uh, but everything kind of changed, in my opinion, after the, the, the year in 2016 when, when his ankle was broken. He never want to run after that or be or be uh, be downfield like that again. Uh, obviously, Waller is uh, thirty years old now. He's on the injured reserve. He's had an interesting career. Um, when he's healthy and ready to go, you think he's still going to be a big part of what this Raider offense wants to do in the future? I think Darren Waller is done as a Raider. Mm. Mm. That's too bad. That I, I don't, I, and that's just my my personal feeling. I don't have any insight into it. It's just that. You know that they, they they talked about the hamstring injury went for three weeks and then they put him on IR. I have a gut feeling, and this is just a gut feeling, that because he's no longer the primary guy, he doesn't want to be there anymore. Well, you guys haven't been lucky as far as the no. the injuries no, go. That's for sure. That's for sure. No, no, have have been really hit by the injury bug, and there's there's some unfortunate. Even like you know, like a guy like Hunter Renfro, he's not a big guy. He's a slot receiver, and some of the hits that he's taken just this year have been hellacious. I mean, I fell for the guy. Um, but, you know, you know, when he comes back, it'll be interesting to see, what, you know, at, at the slot. He's very good at what he does. He, he reminds me of a, a Julian Edelman or one of those other guys that they've, like they've had in New England historically. He's just not very big. So some of the times, some of the situation that Derek's put him in, you know, he got that man's head taken off. So he's got to do a better job at that. All right. He is a former dog. He's also the Raiders color commentary man, Lincoln Kennedy, kind enough to join us for a little opponent preview here on the huddle. Lincoln, have a wonderful Thanksgiving and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Lincoln. My pleasure, guys. Hey, uh, everyone up there in Seattle and your voice, uh, your, your listeners, uh, have a wonderful holiday and look forward to seeing you. Thanks, Lincoln. Thanks, Lincoln. Thanks. Uh, all right, okay. guys, we are going to wrap things up with John Boyle. Take a look at the Seahawks. So from uh, an opponent preview to someone here at home. John's going to join us, and then John's going to stick with us, and we're going to have some final thoughts for this upcoming Week 12 game between the Seahawks and Raiders. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and me, Stacey Ross, being joined now by John Boyle. And, uh, John, we are very happy to see you again after the bye. Did you get a little bit of time to relax? A little bit, yeah. but, you know, I do have children, so. True. Young children. Yes. But it was fun. It was good, you know, after being away from them for five days, good to get good. some extra family time in. Fantastic. Nice. Yeah, I was going to be disappointed. I left a weekend, and I came back, and my kids treated me like I was nothing. But when I got back from Germany, they actually ran up to me and gave me oh. a hug. So I was uh, oh, my feelings nice. were going to be hurt, boy. If, if they, they didn't miss you at least a little. Yeah, I'm like, damn, man. Yeah. I know mom holds my, it down. My youngest were like, my youngest is really happy to see me. The older two kind of want to know if I brought them anything. Right. Fair. Yeah. I asked about the same question. I came with gifts. Yeah. I think that helped too. Did you get any like baubles in Germany while you were there? A little bit. Not, I mean, they're young enough that like if you just get them some like German treat, like they're going to be pretty happy with sugar. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, give yeah. them the sugar and then hand, hand yeah. them off to your wife. Oh, no. I was in charge last week. Uh, All last week. Yeah. Your turn. <laughs> so uh, these guys are coming off a loss. The Bucks, a game we feel like they should have won. These last or these next four games were extremely important to me. I'm like, these are games that I think these guys could win. So with that loss to Tampa Bay, I mean, obviously you play to win every single game, but does it make this game that much more important for that playoff push? Yes and no. I mean, I feel like you're in a situation where you're in a tight race for the division, so every week's going to be important whether you won or lost last week. I, I think ultimately it's going to come down to you got to win a bunch of games and set up what mm. in week 15 is very likely a game for the division against 49ers. So, you know, I, yeah, obviously you want to get that one, but I don't think it makes you suddenly get into desperation mode this week or anything. What, what did you hear from uh, from Pete? Uh, he was I know he had a presser, but as far as uh, just sort of recapping the, the game in Germany with the Buccaneers. Yeah, you know, they, they weren't happy with the way that game started and they put themselves in the hole. And, you know, like always in a game like that, he's going to be proud that his team fought back. But they also cost themselves a pretty good opportunity by not getting going earlier. So I, I do think, though, that, you know, given all the not that he's into excuses, but just given all the factors of the time, the distance, the field, just it's an easier game, I think, to flush in some ways of just like there's so many different factors at stake. Of like, OK, you know what? We had a rough day. Tampa Bay played well. They got us. Oh, well, yeah. move on. And you got a lot of season left. Five of seven at home. I think they're still feeling. I, I don't think you feel like you lost a lot of momentum from that four game winning streak just because you had one bad game. Trey Brown really promising in his rookie debut at corner last year. Only got to play a couple games before he was injured. He was finally reactivated to the 53-man. Do you think Mm -hmm. we'll see a bit of him this weekend? You know, we'll see. I I think whether it's this week or maybe they give him another week to just get fully up to speed, I think we'll start to see a situation where you get him a series or two, see how he's doing, rotate him in. It's hard because, you know, like last year you felt like there was a starting job maybe to be won. Mm -hmm. He came in, played really well, got, you know, he played – he split time. I think it was with Sidney Jones eventually took over that job. Mike Jackson has been playing so well. It's like, well, you know, it's not going to be one of these. You just come and do a good job and win yeah. it. You're going to have to come and play Burn your it. butt off to really earn yeah. it. Cause Mike Jackson has been playing awesome. So um, obviously it makes you a lot deeper and Trey Brown's a guy who should help you on special teams, but it's going to be tough for him if he wants to get that starting job back right away, just cause they're playing so well at corner. Hawks have their running back, hopefully for the next, what, three to five years in Ken Walker. But Melvin Gordon has been released from the Denver Broncos. Is that a name that you would look at? You know, I'm not going to pretend I'm scouting the whole league to know. I just know the name and his past production and think, sure, he'd be interesting. But I, I didn't watch enough of this year to know if, you know, if they let him go for a reason other than just giving young guys an opportunity. But I think in a general sense, not speaking about him in particular, but I think it's safe to say any decent running back that comes available this time of year, you at least consider because, mm-hmm. look, they love Ken Walker. They love the guys we, they have. You've seen it over and over again with this team around the league. Injuries happen at that position, and you don't want to get into a late-season situation where you're having to sign a Marshall. Look, I love Marshawn Lynch. That was awesome when he came back. So fun. But, A, he's not the guy this time, and, B, generally there aren't going to be really good productive guys available come week. 17 so if there's a chance to add a a proven starter quality depth guy that's available should something happen at that position sure i think you look at it but whether he's that guy i'm not really sure what do you think that says about how they feel about dj dallas and i and i thought i thought both him and um homer yeah uh, really upped their their potential um as far as their upside goes and 
do you get the feeling that they're they're more confident than they have been in years past since those two guys? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think we saw this preseason. Both those guys looked really good in the preseason. We've seen really going back to last year where Homer just looks more explosive. He changed his body quite a bit. A couple of years back, he just got a lot bigger. And yeah, I mean, ideally you have everybody available all season, but I do think that there's maybe a little more confidence if you had to go with one of those guys as kind of the lead guy that you might feel better about that now than you would have a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, Josh Jacobs is closing in on a thousand yards for the Raiders. Again, they've like bump was talking about it earlier. They have quietly good pieces. They just don't have a ton of them, but the pieces that are great Adams, his connection with Carr right now, and obviously Jacobs are doing really, really well. It feels like stopping him might be a key in this game. Do you think so? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think it's like three of his 400 yard games this year have come in there and wins. Mm -hmm. There's always that causation correlation thing of were they running because they were up or was he setting the tone? Um, but yeah, he, he's a really good back. And when you have a weapon like Adams and you want to throw him the ball, as we've seen here year after year, when you're balanced and you have the threat of a credible running game, it's going to help the passing game as well. So, you know, I think you just point, can point to those two guys right there and it's their offense. A lot of times goes the way those two go. And if you can keep those guys somewhat under wraps, I think this defense has a really good shot at playing well. What does Gino have to do? What's next on like, okay, Gino check this box off. And so we can justify the 30 mil, yeah. 30 mil that it sounds like you're probably going to get at the end of the season. Anything else you need to see out of them? I mean, not, I guess just do it for another couple months because I, the consistency has been there. It hasn't been a really good game and a really bad game. I mean, he's going into the bye week. At least he had the most multi-touchdown games of any quarterback in the NFL and the most hundred passer rating games of any quarterback. So that tells me, He's been good week in, week out. He's consistent. We talked about this before, but he's showing some of that resilience of he threw the pick six, came mm-hmm. back and played well. He had the fumble in Munich, and obviously they didn't win that game, but he came back and played his butt off down the stretch and threw some amazing passes. So it's, I mean, really, he's checked just about every box. I mean, I guess you could point to maybe a, a late game, game-winning drive is the one thing he hasn't really had a chance to do yet this year and get done, but I everything it feels very real there's not fluky like oh he's just doing this one thing and they're masking with this i mean he's he's really playing that position at such a high level that as long as he can just kind of keep up playing a similar level as he has been i feel really good about whatever they want to do to keep him here i think that's a great way to put it um that it's not some gimmick it's not like they're just he's playing quarterback like everybody else is in the league yeah there's ways we've seen it you're you know where you can play action to death and get certain concepts at work, but he's doing everything. Yeah, exactly. So what do you think it is about the way Pete is coaching him that's different, that's made the difference this year? I, you know, I think a lot of it, and this is one of the things Pete does best, is he instills confidence in people, and he put that belief in Geno Smith going back to training camp of like, look, this is your job to lose. You're going to compete, but we trust you. We believe in you. And he went out and, and look, give Geno a lot of credit. He's a very talented quarterback who – for a lot of different reasons, we could talk all day about it, but he just didn't really get a chance that he probably deserved over a number of years and kind of wallowed away as a backup. But I think it's just a combination of you had a really talented guy who was given an opportunity by a coach who believed in him. And then Shane Waldron's scheme is a really good scheme and great weapons he's throwing to, you know, just a lot of pieces around him. So I think it's just a culmination of a lot of things coming together. About that time, I got a reporter, I got two analysts, and we're going to wrap it up with a key to the game. Uh, we have about a minute, so you don't have to rush too much. But, John, I am going to let you have the last word because we're going to start with Bump. Key to a win against the Raiders on Sunday in their first return to Lumen since October 30th. Show that you can stop the run again. 
teams are going to come at them now. Tampa Bay said, look, we were garbage at running the rock and we went for a buck 60. So what do teams do? They watch the film. They see the situation personnel and say, let's sprinkle a little bit of that in there. So I think you get back to just being the team that you were for about four weeks. Being good against the run. Got to stop the run. Stop the run. Wyman, what you got? I'm going to second that because it's all that matters. And this is a throwback type of smash mouth offense. They got fullback. They've got all these uh, 1990s uh, style of formations and things like that. And they're going to say, hey, you know, we're going to we're going to try to punch Mm -hmm. you in the mouth. And how do they respond to that? And I think that's if they get back to playing the type of run defense that they did what, the first Arizona game through before the Tampa Bay yeah, game. Yeah, really that four week. If you take out some Kyler Murray runs, it's really been four weeks of really yeah. good running. Yeah. And if you look that. at those four and take out, especially, the, you know, like you said, the scrambles from Kyler Murray, um, you know, they were averaging enough to be, like, number one in the league against the run. Yeah. I mean, look what they did to Saquon Barkley. They yeah. held the Chargers to 53 yards. So so we got stopping the run, stopping More the stopping run. More stopping the run. Yeah. More stopping the no, run. No, I'll, I'll change it up. Okay. Um, offense third down we saw the first half of that game 0 for 5 they just couldn't stay on the field look there's a lot of factors you can't just say they didn't execute on those five third downs there were penalties that got them into third and long there were sacks so it it takes more than just third down but figure out ways to stay on the field sustain some drives early in that game to where you're not putting yourself in a hole i'll uh i'll add on uh, another twist one just to i would think stop the run would probably be my first choice limiting Adams, but I actually think just putting pressure on Derek Carr Mm -hmm. and making it a a nightmare for him all day back there. Uh, I would love to see the pass rush get going again. I'd love to see a big final seven games for Daryl Taylor, if he can get out there and, and stay healthy. So uh, I think we got a pretty good look at what's important for this one, how you stop the Raiders and, and what the Seahawks need to do to get away with a win here on Sunday. John, thank you so much. You guys can check out John's work at Seahawks.com. Anything you want to promote that's up right now? Oh, you know, just our usual just wonderful huge. content. Not just <laughs> not just what I do, but what all my coworkers do. Of course, of course. Great so. video content, photos, all sorts of good stuff. I actually, I do check out their content a lot. It's a really good way to see a roundup of a lot of other content as well, tweets and stuff from players, so you can get a good look at what's happening with this team. Seahawks.com, John's articles, they have a great digital staff as well. For Dave Wyman, for Michael Bumpus, I'm Stacey Ross. This has been the Huddle Seahawks taking on the Raiders this Sunday.